Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Power of Young People to Change the World. On this podcast, we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators can utilize the power of service learning to redesign education. So this show is designed for young people and their adult mentors to share their stories, their passion, their voices, and how they're making positive change in the world. And I'm so excited to welcome our guest today. Um, Minerva Garcia is a student at Northside College Prep in Chicago. She's a student leader in NYLC's Poder en Salud program, which is a partnership with Proceed Inc. and the CDC. Um, Poder engages middle and high school Latinx youth to address the significant challenges and impacts of COVID-19 on Latinx communities around the nation through service learning. So Minerva, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you with us today. And before we um, really dig into your Put It On Salud project, I would love to learn a little bit more about you. Could you introduce yourself um, to our listeners? Sure. Hello everyone, my name is Minerva Garcia and I am a first-generation Latina heading to Harvard College in the fall to study government and take my organizing skills to a new level, which if you know me, you would know that I am a community organizer in my Chicago neighborhood, Belmont Cragen. I'm big on organizing, I'm big on community pride. I love working in my community, uniting my neighbors for a greater cause actions that will lead to a better lifestyle for us Latinos. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you for all of the work that you're doing in your community. I would love for you to talk, um, you know, Poder and Salud um, was around young people responding to COVID-19 and the impacts it's having in their communities. And so I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you've seen in your community and the impact that COVID has been um, having? Well, for starters, we were hit the hardest at the height of the pandemic in 2020. We were labeled as a COVID hotspot. And I remember seeing so much panic around my neighborhood because grocery stores were running out of food. Nobody had masks or the, the N95s specifically we were out of the bare essentials. Um, there was just a lot of fear going on. And we also saw a disproportionate effect um, with the vaccine rollouts as the number of Latinos getting vaccinated was significantly lower compared to white people in Chicago. And that's just unfair. Um, I remember thinking like it's, 2022, and we still have to deal with this kind of issue. Um, so this led the city of Chicago to create the Racial Equity Re Rapid Response Team. Um, and I worked with a local community organization, nonprofit, um, and setting up these vaccine clinics specifically for Beaumont Cragen residents. Um, and we were able to successfully vaccinate majority of the community. Um, and by, I believe, November of 2021, we were noted as the neighborhood of color with the highest vaccination rates, which was major for us and a huge cause for celebration. Um, I remember feeling so happy because I 
volunteered as a Spanish translator because um, now that we had these clinics, now we didn't have enough representation. I think people didn't feel as comfortable showing up for a vaccine and being um, treated by uh, somebody who doesn't look like them. Um, so I was able to use my Spanish uh, to help people get vaccinated. And I think that was um, a lot. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, thank you. So I'm curious, I mean, you, you've done a like, we're going to dig into some of that because you have done so much. Um, and that initial panic that we saw, um, when the pandemic first hit, I think it's still, I mean, it sits with all of us, right? Like we're still all feeling that fear. Um, but as, um, this Podan and Salud program, um, came about, I'm curious, like, how did you hear about it? And, and what made you interested in jumping in and being part of it? So I was previously subscribed to the National Youth Leadership Council newsletter. And as I was opening up emails, one day, I saw the Poder en Salud project and everything that it that it was going to encompass. And I think that email was, I think it was an the extension, like they extended the deadline. And I, at that time I had, um, had like my first in-person meeting with a club that I helped found at my school, which is called Ascendencia. Um, and I remember thinking, I think this is the perfect project to lead on with Ascendencia. By the way, Ascendencia is um, an affinity group for Latino students at my school. And I remember thinking that Poder en Salud, whether we were gonna get in it or not, um, it was gonna have a major impact. That's amazing. Um, thank you for subscribing to the newsletter, by the way. Lots of opportunities <laughs> come if you <Right>. subscribe. <laughs> so, <laughs> yay Minerva. Um, you talked a little bit about like um, the, vaccine clinics and, you know, being a translator. Can you tell us more about um, your efforts um, in your community? What did this look like? What did it look like with the other young people on your team? Um, how did you guys just engage in community? So I was part of my neighborhood's youth leadership council, the Belmont Craigian Youth Leadership Council. And this is where I really grew my my passion for organizing and my passion for helping people, um, especially using the Spanish language. Um, I, I think sometimes being a bilingual speaker, when you enter the public education system, you're, you're shown to only take English now. And it's kind of like, Uh, Spanish is made to seem, sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, you're, you're, you're meant to, a student is kind of encouraged to stop learning Spanish and kind of be ashamed of it. But I think with this specific opportunity at the vaccine clinic, I was able to use my Spanish speaking skills to help people who look like me in my community. 
Um, so with the other students in the council, we were able to just start small and hand out pamphlets or maybe if the, the event had um, printouts, we would pass those out to anyone who we saw. We would take walks around the neighborhood and just start conversations with people. So it has to be, when I, when I hear you talking about um, how Spanish speaking in school isn't um, as embraced, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll, put it, we'll say nice, we'll just put it that like, isn't embraced as this like positive um, skill set and um, attribute to, to bring into the, into that space. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds like through your project, you were able to really see that, you know, having, ha being able to speak Spanish and be able to communicate with your community um, in that language really like elevated this project. Is that, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm trying to um, yes, capture what you were saying, but yeah. Yeah. Um... I think it took us to a, another level. Um, majority of the kids on the council didn't speak Spanish to the level that I do. So I would, I would have to step up. And I had this one specific experience where we were passing out flyers and masks and, and hand sanitizer, like a little goodie bag. And I approached this older man um, who's only Spanish speaking. And I'm explaining to him it's free. There's no no ties attached, no strings attached. Um, and he asked me if I was from the government. And I think <laughs> I was. I think people are afraid of of help when they don't understand who it's coming from. And so being able to use Spanish to break that barrier, I think that's that's amazing. That is amazing, and. Just as a reminder, you, you're well. You just you just graduated high school, didn't you? Congratulations! Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you know, how what kind of research did you do um, to prepare to take action in your community? So the city of Chicago has um, this database or this website where they list all of, everything that has to do with COVID. Um, amount of COVID cases, how many people have tested, and then they break it down by ethnicity and race, um, zip code. I use the zip code one a lot. Um, that one was really interesting to see the differences throughout these neighborhoods. Um, and also, since I knew that my community was um, had the highest rate for vaccinations, I decided to focus on communities on the South side, Latino communities on the South side that um, needed a, a little bit of extra help. And I thought that I had the skills and this project to help me out with that. That's awesome. It, was there anything that really surprised you? Like when you were in conversation with community, did, was there something where you're like, I, wow, where it just took you by surprise? I think I was really surprised to hear that even now in 2022, the vaccines have been out for, I think a year, 
Um, there was still a lot of um, fear about getting the vaccine. And I think that has to go way back into history and see um, just how medical procedures and vaccinations, how they've disproportionately affected people of color um, and, and have created this stigma with it. And so um, with, COVID, with the COVID vaccine, we saw like the vaccine come out pretty early and people didn't realize um, how much research had already been done with it beforehand. And so they're like, oh, it's so new. I don't know what's in it, right? Yeah. And they had this like wall between them. Um, but I, I think at least in, in the Latino community, I think that Spanish barrier was played a big role in this. Yeah, when the when the information isn't um, in the language mm -hmm. that that you speak, yeah, the the translation of that and that there's an impact. And right. so part of this um, program was really about developing messaging product products for your community. So can you tell us a little bit about your products that that you created and what their messages are, kind of who who you're serving? Sure. Um, and to add to um, the previous mm -hmm. conversation, um, also it was important that they were culturally relevant, which I think Poder and Salud um, did a good job on that. And so for our products, we had two products. Uh, one of them was a virtual poster and we were specifically targeting now Latino youth. And we say this because um, after the vaccine was made available to youth, we saw a study that came out, I think in November, specifically for Illinois, um, about less than 15% of Latino youth were vaccinated compared to 60% of their white peers. And we decided, okay, our target audience is now gonna be Latino youth. And that, that's, that works perfect with us because we're Latino youth. So we're helping each other out. We're helping ourselves in our community. Um, so back to the poster, um, we created uh, a QR code that listed different ways on how you could set up your appointment uh, for the vaccine. And there were also some like sections on the poster that said, hey, you don't need no, any government ID or insurance, like it's completely free. And like, if you had any more questions, here's the official website for the CDC, here's vaccines.gov, all of that information. Um, and our second product was a video, and this video included a poster. So it was uh, a young child walking with his grandma into school, and they see the poster, the first poster that I talked about, um, and the child is fearful, but the grandma who's already received her vaccine, like from the first batch, um, she's like, it's okay, you're fine. Um, es por tu bien, which any Hispanic listeners right now, es por tu bien is from a very famous commercial. Um, and we thought it was um, a good way to show that you shouldn't be fearful of the vaccine. So, um, throughout the video, 
there's an older sibling who's helping the grandma scan the QR code. So we're showing that um, the generation gap in technology. And we're also showing how in Latino families, there tends to be multiple generations living in one household. So to make it culturally relevant. Um, and after they set up their appointment, there is, and all of this is animated. Um, so there's like the animated doctor who's talking about the side effects or the symptoms and explaining everything that they're going to do once they um, vaccinate the child. And at the end, it ends really, there's a happy ending because now that um, this, the child acknowledges that like it was for his own good. And that is how both of our products look like. That sounds amazing. And um, we're going to have to link to, to your products and, <laughs> and the others in the Puerto and Salud program because they're just phenomenal. Um, they're absolutely phenomenal. I'm curious. So um, now that you've got these messages, like how are you getting the word out? Like where, where does the video, um, how does it get distributed? Where does it go? Same with the post. Well, the poster you said was in your schools, but where do these, where does the video get played? How do people see it? So actually this week I was able to um, contact um, the older the men in the zip code that we were um, researching. So we were able to get in contact with them and have a meeting and explain like what our goal is, like showcasing these products. And they brought up now CPS, Chicago Public Schools is having back to school summer celebrations. And this ward had already set up a back to school night where they're gonna be giving out um, school supplies and information. And there, and we were like, this is the perfect opportunity like to be out there in person at a table, <laughs> passing out these flyers and playing the video for people to see and have hopefully having a great turnout, I think is going to be great that's exciting that's wonderful yeah. and i'm so glad that um that they're embracing that that's wonderful so so your um your all of these messages had to go through the cdc and so um i'm curious like what was it like um what did you learn about working with an organization or a federal agency like the cdc did you have any any learnings or anything that you wanted to share Oh, it was terrifying, <laughs> nerve-wracking, <laughs> um, because the CDC, I mean, is a huge entity, and I think we had the privilege of working with them with these products. I mean, we went through so many, like, revisions, because it has to be crystal clear, you know, yep. and I think at times it was discouraging, because we kept getting our our proposal sent back and they have to be more specific. And I thought I was already being specific enough. <laughs> um, but I think it's good that they had um, uh, good attention to detail. It's really important, especially with COVID. I mean, it's a huge topic. Um, yeah. And also we being- misinf We don't want misinformation, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> right, right. And also being um, a youth and 
trying to communicate with these agencies. Um, I think it was like a power structure type mm -hmm. of thing. And I mean, I at one point was like, why would they even listen to me? Um, as I'm just a high school student, you know? Um, but overall it was a it was a good learning experience. I mean, now I know how to really proofread my documents. <laughs> and but it it was it was a good learning experience. That's wonderful. I know um we at NYLC have learned a lot as well. So um as we as we look to the future, you know, we hope that we're able to apply all of the lessons that we learned right. with working with a federal agency like that. So um I'm curious, so what are some of the things that you've learned um, through this Poder and Salud program, either about COVID or your community or even about yourself? I think we learned that you have to have a lot of patience and a lot of dedication and also resiliency. I think getting like I mentioned, the, the proposal sent back multiple times, you might have felt like you wanted to quit and be like, I'm not going to be good enough for this. But just having that end goal in mind that I'm going to help on my community with this project, that is what motivated me to keep going. And that's what motivated my team members as well. That's wonderful. Yeah, it takes, <laughs> I think resi resiliency is something we all um experience in this type of work when we're trying to trying to work and help our communities, especially when some of these issues run so deep. Um, could you speak a little bit to why doing these type of programs, the service learning experience is important for youth, for youth, not, not just for you, but we want why it's important for you, but for youth <laughs> in general? Sure. So I think as youth, we have so much power that we don't even realize it. And I think we're used to seeing in the news adult organizers or adults just leading the work, right? And so you think you have, to, maybe it has to do with maturity or just that age gap, you know? Um, but it's not true, I think, especially now in this age, we're seeing a lot of youth taking taking the problem of, the, of their community, finding the root of it, and then working extremely hard to dismantle that and to bring systemic change that will actually improve the lives of their community, of their community members. Um, and like I mentioned, Latin, Latino youth were very impacted by the vaccinations and as Latino youth, it was kind of our responsibility to actually do something about it. And Poder en Salud was there. And it was, now we're going to see how it helped. I mean, the research that I did was finding public schools in that, in the zip code that I chose and seeing the difference in the percentage of students vaccinated. And now we're going to wait and see if our event like actually persuaded people to get these vaccines or persuaded parents to get their children vaccinated because ultimately um, the parent has to be there in, in the process. Absolutely. But overall, yeah, overall, 
youth are very powerful, youth have a voice, and youth should use it. And youth are saving lives, which is, I Definitely. mean, you're, you're saving lives. Um, so you, you've done so much in your community and you've done a lot of research and have been speaking with people in your community. And I'm wondering um, if there are other issues that you've seen or learned about through this process that you're like, okay, this mm -hmm. is next. Is there, is there a, is there some, is there a new issue that you want to dig into or continue along this road? An issue, I have many. <laughs> um, but in the near future, something that has to do with housing, um, affordable housing or just gentrification. And I think this relates to Poder and Salud because we're seeing the disparities and resources. And even though Poder and Salud is more like a medical issue, I think everything is connected. Everything Absolutely. links together. So um, as your, um, I mean, you've come through this program, you've been doing amazing work. What advice do you have for young people who want to dig in and make change in their community? My advice is just get out there and start talking to people and look into the nonprofits, the community centers in your area, because nine times out of 10, you're going to find a group of people who have the same interests as you, who know about this issue, but who need, need maybe a little extra help. And that's where you can come along, especially as youth. We have so many skills that um, maybe at the adult <laughs> level, they might not have maybe like social media technology. I think I'm seeing now social media being used as a tool for change, which I think is super cool. And I wouldn't have thought about it in, in a long time. And so don't be afraid to reach out to these people, to reach out to people in power. Um, it, it can be scary, but you can do it and you Absolutely. should do it. Absolutely. Exclamation point. So <laughs> on the flip side, um, you know, what advice do you have with for adults um, who should be, if they're not, working with young people. Mm -hmm. So definitely please work with youth. Please make the space for youth. So you could have youth working with you, but if you're not giving them the space to actually talk about how they feel about these severe issues, then you're not actually working with youth. You're manipulating youth. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that. We want youth to give us our space because we have our own opinions, and we can definitely work toward um, dismantling these problems in their community. Um, so just literally just listen to us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Minerva. I just, of I really course. want to thank you for being here with me today, um, for sharing your passion and your journey with us and for everything that you're doing in your community. I mean, you're truly saving lives. Um, and so I can't wait to hear um, down the road, the results of all of this. So when you get that data, I hope you'll share it with us um, to, to see the Definitely. difference you've made. 
Um, everyone, you can learn more about the Poder and Salud program by visiting our website at nylc.org. And you can also find additional service learning resources there, some upcoming professional development opportunities, including an educator institute on August 2nd and a back to school webinar on August 8th. We also have openings, Minerva, for our National Youth Advisory Council. And we're also um, have $1,000 service learning grants for young people to tackle teen driver safety in their community. So check out nyc.org and get involved right now. And as Minerva said, you can learn about these opportunities by signing up for our newsletter. I do want to give a shout out to our partners at the Allstate Foundation for supporting this podcast and their commitment to youth changing the world through service learning. And a huge thank you to Proceed and the CDC for investing in young people to make change in their communities. So again, Minerva, amazing work you're doing. Thank you so much for being on the show. And until next time, we want to invite everyone to join us as we serve, learn, change the world.